Dads, if you are in Christ, if you're a Christian father, and if your children are in Christ too, if they're Christians, then what you and and what I, what we all need to understand is whether or not they ever acknowledge this, whether or not they actually say this, whether or not they're even fully aware of it themselves. If your children are believers, then at the base of their heart is a desire to see the Father. At the base of their heart, they're going to desire that. Even if it's just a little bit, they're going to desire, they're going to want to see the Father. And the cry of their heart to you as their dad, the cry of of my kid's heart to me, again, whether it's expressed or not, it really is, Dad, show us the Father. Show us the Father. Let us us experience His love through your love. let, Let us hear from His voice as you talk to us. Let us understand the kind of Father we have in God through your fatherhood to us. That really is what's true of your Christian child, Dad. And we need to understand that. We need to believe that. We need to be sensitive to that. And we need to be very intentional about addressing that. That desire, that request, show us the Father, that was voiced by the disciple Philip right before Jesus went to the cross. In John chapter 14, Jesus is starting out giving his, his last words, his, kind of his last will and testament, if you will, to his disciples before he goes to the cross. And he tells them, in just a little while, I'm going to leave you. Just a little while, I'm going I'm to go. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm not going to stay dead. I'm going to rise again, and then I'm going to go back to my father where I came from. But don't be afraid. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be in despair. Because the way I'm going, you know. You know where I'm going and you know how to get there. And Thomas speaks up and says, I don't think so, Lord. No, we we don't know the way where you're going. How can we get there? And, And Jesus says in John 14, 6, he says, you're still missing the point. I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, which means through me you come to the Father. I'm the way. And then he says in verse 7, from now on you do know the Father and you have seen him. And then in verse 8, Philip speaks up and he says this, Lord, said Philip, show us the Father. Show us the Father and that's enough for us. In other words, all right, good, yes, finally we get to see the Father. That's what I've been longing for. That's what all of us have been longing for. Our whole nation has been wanting to be reconnected to God like we were. Yes, please, show us the Father. Do it. I'm ready. To which Jesus in the next verses after this and the verses following says, my paraphrase here, really, Philip? Are you serious? How long have I been with you and you still don't get it? If you've been with me, if you've been hearing from me, if you've been seeing me, if you've been listening to me and and walking with me, then it really is the same as being with the Father. Now, was not Jesus saying that he is the same person as the Father? You know, like there's no really such thing as as the Trinity. It's all just roles taken on. That's not what he was saying. He wasn't saying, I am the Father. He was saying, 
everything that the Father is, his character, his desires, his attributes, his will, all of that I share because I and the Father are one, one being. So when you hear from me, you're not just hearing my words in and of themselves. You're hearing the Father's message through me. When I do the works that you see, I'm doing the Father's work. Because Philip, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. In other words, Jesus was saying, I so perfectly reveal the Father. I so perfectly show the Father to you that by looking to me, And by seeing me and being with me, it's the exact same as looking at the Father. And dads, not just dads, my fellow believers in general, that is exactly what we are called to do. We are called to represent the Father. We are called to show the Father. Specifically, it needs to start with our home, with our children, with our family. They need to see the Father in us. But it goes far beyond that. It extends to fellow believers. I need to see the Father in you, and you need to see the Father in me. And we need to show the Father together to everyone outside of Christ. But it starts starts with our children. They need to see the Father in us. We're told by Paul in Ephesians 5.1 through the Holy Spirit, Therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Another way of saying that is because you are children of God through Jesus Christ his Son, because you're dearly loved children, the natural result that needs to be happening is that you imitate him. And we understand this. that This isn't a concept that should be too hard for us to wrap our minds around. Because if you are a parent... And, and speaking to dad since it's Father's Day, how many times have you been you know, in front of the mirror and you're getting ready, you're, you're combing your hair a certain way, you're shaving your face, you're getting ready for work, you're putting on the tie or whatever, and you look down and you see this little person copying and mimicking everything you're doing perfectly, right? Like they're up there, they're watching you, and as you, you comb your hair, they're, they're doing the same thing. And as you, you take a, a swipe of that razor, they're, they're pretending to do the same thing. Or you put on that tie, and they're, they either, maybe even have one of your ties, and they're putting it on, right? We've all seen that. And it's not just boys with their dads. It happens with girls and their dads, too, and, and girls with their moms. It's what happens. When our kids are little, they desire to be like us. And it doesn't last very long, does it? I know that. I know that. But when they're little, especially, that's what they want. They try to be like us. They try to mimic and copy. They try and want to imitate dad. Right? Happens all the time in my house with my little two-year-old. And uh, it did happen with my my girls. Uh, Not so much anymore. But, But here's the thing. Even after the want to goes away, even after they stop desiring to do that and they stop trying to imitate, you know what happens? They're still like us, aren't they? Our kids are still like us. Man, God bless them. (laughs) Poor things. That's what happens. Why? Because when you're with someone a long time, when you're in a close relationship with someone, you can't help but be like them. It's what naturally happens. The more you're with someone day in and day out, observing them, watching them, seeing how they act, 
what happens naturally is you end up copying that and you, you take those characteristics and those mannerisms and you end up displaying them yourself. It, it's just what happens. It starts off as something you desire to do and you, you strive toward it and you're intentional about it and then it ends up just being how it is. And well into adulthood, we all still represent who our parents are and we, we carry a piece of them with us because we display their personalities or their characteristics or their mannerisms in all that we do even as adults. I mean, to this day, I still get told, you are so much like your father. I still hear that all the time. You are just so much like your dad. You are a clone of Ed Chesley. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I hear that. And they're not talking about physical appearance. They're talking about mannerisms. They're talking about characteristics. They're talking about how I say things, even how I sound. And, and what's incredibly significant about that is I'm not even Ed Chesley's biological son. I'm adopted. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> because he is my dad. And I've been with him. All those years growing up, and and I'm still around him. So it just happens, you know? We pick up those character traits, and we end up showing who our parents are to everyone else around us. That's exactly how it is supposed to be, child of God, with your father. We are to so represent our father that there is no mistaking whose we are. And that whenever we encounter someone, whether it's the, the close relationship at home with our children, or whether it's someone we go to church with, or someone that we don't even know out in the community, it should be very clear as they look at us that they see the Father reflecting. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. And dads, it needs to start with us in our home with our kids. And here's why that's so important. Here's why it is so important to reflect the Father well, to show the Father in all that we do, in every aspect of our fatherhood. Here's why that's so important. It's because of this. Ultimately, ultimately, our kids don't need a better version of us. Did you catch that, dads? And by extension, everyone else? Did you catch that? Our kids ultimately don't need a better version of us. They need us to be a better version of the Father. That's what our kids really need, dads. They need us to be a better version of the Father. And this is true for all of us, not just dads. This is true for every single believer, every single child of God. That's what everybody needs to see in us. Not a better version of who we are, not us trying to make ourselves better, but a better, clearer picture of God the Father in all that he is. And why that's so important is because, dads, let's just get honest here. Let's just be real. Even the best version of us is just not good enough, is it? The best version of who we are. We can be the greatest dad in the world. We can aspire to that. We can be an incredible dad. But the best version of us is still going to come up short and it's still going to let them down. If 
the only father my kids see in me is me, oh, I, am, I am doing them a great disservice. Because despite my best intentions and desires, I am going to fail them. I'm going to let them down. And sometimes it's going to be a colossal, epic failure. And so if all they see is me, they're never going to get the fullest, most beautiful, best picture of what it means to be a father. They're not going to see the best version of the father that they need to see and that they want to see. So just being a better us isn't going to cut it. We've got to strive for more. We've got to aim higher than just trying to be better. We've got to be a better example of God the Father to them so that they can see in and through us a perfect Father. Now that does not mean we are the perfect Father. It means we're the conduit through which the perfect Father is seen. You with me? You understand that? And here's the really good news. God knows you're not perfect. And God knows I'm not perfect. He knows that. And guess what? He's okay with it. He still allows himself to be seen through us imperfect fathers. Isn't that amazing? I don't think you really think it's amazing. Isn't that amazing? It's good news that I don't have to be perfect for the perfect father to display himself through my life. It's great. It's very freeing. The father in all of his perfection and all of his glory and all of his majesty and all of his, his love, he, he shows himself through a messed up lens. That's us. And he is still willing to shine his example through that if we are willing, if we will let him do that. He's amazing. He really is a good, good father. And we need to ultimately be a better version of that good, good father, not a better version of us. So we can understand the importance of that, right? We can understand why our kids need that. They need to see a, consist- a consistency far beyond us. They need to see perfection that's not going to be seen in us. They need to see him through us. We get that, right? We can agree with that. We can understand that that's a, an important aspect of us being a father to our kids. And, and I'm going to even assume that you desire that, dads, that that's what you desire. You, you're, you're sitting there and you're thinking, yeah, that's what I pray all the time. God, make me a better version of you. Make me a better example of who you are as the ultimate perfect father. I do want that. I strive toward that. That's my goal. But the question is, what does that really mean? And the question we have to ask is, if we're supposed to represent and show the father to our kids, we need to ask ourselves, what is he like as the father? What kind of father is God? What are some of his characteristics? What can we see on display in him that we need to imitate and we need to display in our own lives? What does that look like? Well, we could be here a long, long, long time talking about all those aspects of who God is as a father and the way he is a father and his divine fatherhood. If we unpacked all that, I mean, it would take from now until he calls us home, right? So this is by no means exhaustive, but I do want to provide to you three major characteristics, three major attributes and and truths 
that are absolutely part of what it means for God to be our Father and the way He parents, for lack of a better word. His divine fatherhood. What does it look like? Well, first of all, I want you to look at Proverbs 3.12. Proverbs 3.12. Proverbs 3.12 says this, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Did you catch that part? The one he loves. The one he loves, the Lord disciplines. You can reverse it. Just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. Just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. So the first thing to understand, it's very obvious, the father What's something that's true about him as the divine father, the perfect father, is that he disciplines. He disciplines. He disciplines. And please understand something about the way he disciplines, church. Don't miss this. Dads, don't miss this, fellow believers. God the Father in his perfection, when he disciplines us, he always, always, always disciplines out of love. Out of love. And he, he, not, he disciplines out of love in order to make us more like Christ. That is God's ultimate will for all of us. So many times we struggle and we wrestle with, what is, what is God's will for me? What does it really look like? What's it mean? Well, I, I can really clear that up for you pretty easily. Ultimately, first and foremost, and, and all the time, God's will for every believer is that we are like his son, Jesus Christ. And the way he makes us like his son is by disciplining us. Because not only is that what he wants, he knows that will be our ultimate best. We will be at our best when we're more like Jesus and less like us. Do you agree with that? We will be at our best when we're more like Jesus and less like us. The more we're like Jesus, the better we will be. The Father knows that, of course. Of course he does. And so the way he brings about Christ's likeness is through the process of discipline. Now, discipline, we know that doesn't mean that it's, it's comfortable. We, don't mean, we know that's not easy. Discipline is painful, right? Discipline is a painful process that sometimes really does hurt Deeply and badly. And no one loves going through the process of discipline. No one does. No one says, oh, please, can I have more discipline? Please, please. Nobody does that. The book of Hebrews talks about that. That discipline is always hard for the one going through it. It's never easy. It's never an easy process. And no one loves going through it. But that does not mean it is not necessary and vital. Right? You probably heard what I heard growing up, and maybe I heard it more than you. Maybe I, I was a uh, recipient of the discipline process more than you. It's entirely possible. But what I always heard, and what you heard too, I'm sure, is as I was undergoing the physical expression of discipline, which was paddling, <gasps> Yes, yes, I was paddled and I lived to tell the tale. I was spanked and I'm okay. Really, I'm, I'm okay. 
as you received some form of that, you probably heard what I heard, which was, son, I want you to know this hurts me what? More than it hurts you. And like me, you probably were like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you're the one getting paddled by a hand-carved wooden paddle? Really? Hurts you more? I don't think so. Yeah, I never bought that one until I became a parent, you know? And, and my dad, I mean, my dad, oh, wow, what a, what a blessing to have the father I have. None better. And no one exemplified discipline like the father disciplines, and no one disciplined the way the father disciplined like my dad. I mean, perfect example of the way the father disciplines. Because not only would he say, I want you to know this really does hurt me even more than it hurts you. Not only would he say that, but he would also say to me, Chris, why do we have to do this? Why, why do I have to spank you now? And what he was looking for is for me to take ownership and take responsibility for my rebellion, for my sin, in whatever form that was, whatever that, that what I did that was outside of the standard that was set for me, whatever aspect of rebellion that I committed, he wanted me to, to, to own that, to confess and admit that. Why do we have to do this, Chris? What did you do that this is now a consequence of and a result of? And then I would tell him. And he'd say, yep, that's right. And then he would, he would spank me. And then every single time, he would grab me afterwards, he'd hold me, he'd hug me, and he would pray with me. And he would always connect the punishment that he just administered to the punishment that the Father placed on Jesus for me. And I never forgot it. And even though it hurt, and I hated that time, I always came away with a deeper appreciation for my dad and my father. So dads, don't be afraid to discipline your child. And not only don't be afraid, do not neglect it. And increasingly, more and more and more, that's going to become, that, that's an unpopular philosophy. And it's a philosophy that contrasts what the philosophy of culture and society says. Because culture and society, the philosophy that they adhere to and embrace and recommend that gets embraced is, no, 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 don't. Don't discipline your kids, certainly not in a physical way. You need to just let your kids be free. Let them express themselves. Let them show their individualism. Let nature guide them, and you just kind of come alongside. How stupid is that? Right? That doesn't work. It's why we have society in the shape it's in, the mess it's in. It's why we have what goes on in our world. 
And through history, you can look at every society and culture that was just wide open like that. Oh, let's just all be who we're meant to be. La, 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 la. No, no, no boundaries, just free expression. Every time that happened, society crumbled. I mean, it's obvious. It's obvious. So no, don't buy that. It does not do your children any favors. In fact, it does the opposite. What really damages a child is not receiving discipline. What really damages a child is not having clear boundaries that are consistently held up and that are consistently held as accountability over them. That's what our kids need. Our kids need us to love them enough to discipline them and rein them in. Dads, don't let your child grow up to become a kid-alt. We have too many kid-alts as it is. Our whole society is full of kid-alts. We need you, you need, I need, we all need to come together and work very hard and be very intentional and very consistent. Though it is hard, though it is tiring, though it is messy, we need to covenant with one another and before God to raise kids to be adults. And not just adults, but adults who fear God, who know God, who love God, and show God in and through them as they see us showing God to them. That's what we need. That's what we're called to. All all out of love. All out of love. And that's the way the Father disciplines us. Well, not only does he discipline, but, but right clo- closely attached to that and, and, and in the same aspect of that characteristic of his fatherhood, I want you to look at Psalm 103, verses 8 through 14. Psalm 103, verses 8 through 14. Verse 8 starts this way. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. Isn't that great news? Aren't you glad today that God doesn't do that. He doesn't deal with us as our iniquities deserve. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. Isn't that wonderful? Look at verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, and that's pretty high, that's immeasurably high, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him, toward those who belong to him, who are his, toward those who are his children. And here's an example of that faithful love, how far that reaches, how vast. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, which is infinite, they never meet. They, they completely go on com- constantly in opposite directions. They'll never be a meeting point. They constantly go in their own direction, away from each other. And, and verse 12 says, as far as, that hap- as far as that is, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Hallelujah. Verse 13, as a father, as a human earthly father, has compassion on his children, which I'm assuming you do, 
You know, and that's what we, we strive for, I hope. Not, not perfectly, not consistently. I mean, I mean, not perfectly, but hopefully consistently. That we, we show compassion to our children. And if we, being sinful, weak, frail, selfish human beings, can still manage to show compassion to our children, how much more will a perfect God and a perfect Father do that, right? Right? So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Verse 14, this is, this is so beautiful, the way it ends. Why is he able to do that? How is he able to, to exhibit that kind of compassion? Look at verse 14. For he knows what we are made of. Isn't that great? He in his perfection and holiness and righteousness knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. That's a good father. It's a good, good father. So what we see, if you combine Proverbs 3.12 with what I just read in Psalm 103, 8 through 14, you see the perfect balance. You see a, a balance between Grace and truth, correction and love. It's a perfect balance that we see in our Father, the way he deals with us, the way he treats us. You see it on display in Jesus as he was here on earth in his public ministry. Every time he ministered to someone, every time he met with someone, he always exhibited that perfect balance of grace and truth, correction and love. And dads, listen, listen. We need to pursue that balance in our parenting and the way we father our children that needs to be a consistent balance in us as well it's very easy isn't it to to focus on one at the exclusion of the other either will really really major on the the loving part and the compassion part to the exclusion of of holding to account and keeping them reliable and and saying when they're wrong and calling them out and and shaping and molding or or will be so heavy-handed on law and on the truth that we forget the compassion, right? Right? Isn't that easy to do? I know I'm not the only one. Come on. But what we're called to pursue is the same perfect balance that we see in our Father, the way he responds to us, the way we receive from him, the way he treats us. We should, in turn, treat our children the same way. You know what? There's some of you here that I am sure did not have the best example of a father, or maybe you had no father at all. Maybe he was just absent. I, I'm sensitive to that. I understand. I don't understand that, but I understand how that must make you feel. And I also understand that it might be a little hard for you to really come around to this concept of God as your father because maybe that conjures up bad things, not good things, not warm fuzzies, but bitter feelings. I'm sensitive to that. I, I get that, okay? But my challenge to you, if that's true of you, if you have a hard time embracing God as your father and, and you have a hard time being a father to your kids that you know they need because you just don't know what that looks like because you didn't have that, let me just say this to you. Let me say this to you. Do not project your experience with a human dad onto God the Father. He's not your earthly father. However your earthly father was, however he was not, that's not who God is. God is a perfect father, and he wants you to come to him as your father. He will be your father if you didn't have one. He'll be your perfect father. 
And more than that, he will show you how to be a father to your kids. He'll teach you how to be the father your children need and want, if you'll let him. And what we see here in Psalm 103, verses 8 through 14, is that he shows compassion. He shows compassion. Not only does he discipline, as he should, out of love, with the goal being Christ-likeness, he also shows compassion within that. He's compassionate and gracious and merciful, perfectly balanced. And then the, the, the last attribute or characteristic that I really want to highlight and point out to you and share with you is, is really exemplified in Luke chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. Luke 12, 29 through 31. Jesus here is speaking, and he says this. Don't strive, that's, that's don't obsess over. Don't hold up as the highest priority. Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink and Don't be anxious. In other words, don't let the physical dominate your mind. Don't let the physical stuff rule your thoughts. Don't let that be what drives you. Verse 30, why? For the Gentile world, that's that's a way of saying the unbelievers, the lost, those outside of Christ, the Gentile world eagerly, that's, that's hungrily, passionately, seeks all these things. And we know that to be true. I mean, our entire culture is built on accumulating more, more, more. More will satisfy me. I need more to satisfy me. And it never does, but they keep striving for it anyway, right? Jesus is saying, no, don't do that. Be a a contrast to that. For the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things, and your father, your good, good father, your perfect father knows that you need them. Verse 31, here's what you are supposed to seek. Don't strive after, don't hunt after the the, the physical manifestations. Instead, verse 31, but seek his kingdom, the Father's kingdom. Seek his kingdom. That's your priority. That's what needs to drive you. That's your goal. And look at what, what he says. Look at what the promise is. And these things, clothing, food, shelter, all the stuff we actually do need while we're alive here on earth, These things will be provided for you. So what that shows us, again, it's pretty obvious, about the Father is that he provides. He provides. But I want you to understand something. He provides for our physical needs while calling us to keep looking above and to keep looking to him. He provides for our needs while calling us further up and further in. He provides for our needs while saying to us, don't let this drive you. I've got this under control. I've got this taken care of. You, you keep your eyes on me. Up here, up here. That's what he does. You keep looking to me. You keep focusing on my kingdom. You keep my reality as your reality. That's what I want you to pursue, and I'll take care of the rest. And dads, here's what our children need to see in us. They need to see in us that we are Christian dads who do not obsess over the physical. They need to see in us Christian dads who look beyond the gift to the giver. They need to see us as Christian dads who pursue the Father, not just so that we can get more things, but that we pursue the Father, period. And if they see that in us, they will be much more inclined to listen to us 
when we instruct them to do the same. But if, if, they, if, our, if our words don't match our instruction, or excuse me, if our lifestyle doesn't match our words, if our, if our action doesn't match our instruction, come on, they're not gonna, they're not gonna listen. Would, would you? Do you? No, of course not. We, we don't like inconsistency. We don't like hearing one thing and seeing the person that said that doing entirely opposite. We don't like that. That's when we vote people out of office, right? Our kids are the same way. They're, they're going to they're gonna just not buy into that, and they're not going to listen to what we have to say if what we say doesn't match how we live. So they need to see in us dads who are not occupied and obsessed with the stuff of this world. They need to see in us one who looks to the Father and just pursues him and his character, his love, his glory, and trust him to provide the rest because he always will. That's what they need to see in us. And if they see that in us, they'll be more inclined to see him that way in their own lives. And they'll, they'll be more inclined to trust that about him, right? So here's what all this means. Here's what all this comes down to. We can summarize all of this by looking at what Jesus said in Matthew 5.16 when he said this, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. See, Jesus, the light of the world, when we come to him by faith and trust in him as our Savior, he brings us into himself and he shares his light with us. And then he tells us, now go out and shine that light to everyone else around you. And it's not so that they come before you and say, oh my goodness, look how awesome you are. Look how bright you are. Wow, you are just incredible. That's not the point. The point of us having light is to show that light to others that gets reflected back to the Father so that they will see His glory and marvel at His glory so that they will see His brilliance and His beauty and His majesty and be overwhelmed by it. We're just the reflectors pointing back to His incredible light. So what that means is we need to spend a lot less time worrying about this reflection and is, is my reflection everything it needs to be. And we need to instead focus much more on soaking up the light of our perfect Father, being inundated and saturated by His glory and His person so that when we look back in the mirror and when it gets reflected back out to others, they don't see this reflection. They see the reflection of the perfect Father. That's what we're called to. It's just like Moses. You remember Moses when he, he spent time with God, he got the law, and he came back down after meeting with God, and his face was so bright, he had to put a, a towel around it because it was so bright, people were like, oh my goodness, Moses, come on, man. He had to conceal his face because the, the brightness of God's presence and glory was so on him and around him that people were blinded by it because he spent so much time in the presence of God. That's what needs to be true of us, dads. And beyond dads, that's what needs to be true of us, believers. That we are so saturated by the glory of God, so in his presence, so like him, that it just blinds people. And they can't ignore it. And for that to happen, here's what we have to do. We have to consistently look to the Father to be like the Father. We have to look to the Father to be like the Father. We can't be like someone we don't ever watch or observe or study or know. We can't be like someone we don't ever spend any time with. It's not going to happen. So if you want to be like the Father, 
which we're called to be if you're in Christ, you have to look to him. You have to look to him. Let me pray for you, and we'll be wrapping up. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for these dads that are here. I pray your blessing on them. I pray that they would be empowered to be like you, Father, that they would see in you your character and all that you are and all that you've called them to be. And may they, by your spirit and by the help of others in their lives, may they pursue likeness to you. I pray that for myself. I pray that that we would all here in this church be dads, be men that show you, Father, to our children and to show you well, to show you consistently. Help us in that, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen.